Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today we are chatting all about Ayurvedic sleep tips. So sleep is, well, this has been a big hot button topic, um, especially the last few years I have found with many of my clients as well as myself. You know, I think a lot of us, just the, the stress of the last few years um, has been catching up with us in terms of sleep. Because that is one of the factors that we don't sleep is if we are feeling really stressed out, um, if our nervous system is kind of overloaded, if we don't have any, um, I know a lot of people were um, maybe indulging in the evening, whether that be with, you know, heavier, richer foods, or whether that be with alcohol, um, when you add all of those factors into place, you know, what's going to take, what's going to take the hit, it's going to be sleep. And, um, you know, we all know why sleep matters because when we don't get enough sleep that next day, we just, we feel it. We feel low energy. We might not eat as healthy. We'll, we'll crave the sugars. We'll crave more coffee. Um, you know, we might skip workouts. All of this kind of is a, you know, compiling effect. So this is why I'm a big fan of really, you know, getting to the root cause of, Hey, why am I struggling, you know, with sleep and, you know, really getting crystal clear on that. But today's podcast is going to be more of a general idea because to really get crystal clear on what you need, um, you know, you probably have to see someone one-on-one for that, but these are just general tips. And so, um, we're going to kind of talk about the tips and ways that you can implement them. And these are not going to be tips all of them that you need to incorporate into your routine. So just like I always like to preach, making sure we don't need to take all, all of the things I share and try to do that all on day one, you know, starting tomorrow or tonight, whenever you're listening to this. So when we think about sleep, you know, when we have trouble falling asleep, that dosha that is at play is typically pitta. You know, when we think about that, often we're kind of going through our to-do list. We're thinking about what we didn't get done that day or what we have to do the next day. And we're kind of in that Rolodex of like, oh gosh, you know, shoot, did I send that email? Oh man, I forgot to contact, you know, my child's school. And all of those things start to kind of rumble in the evening. And so what I tell people who usually have that, maybe a pit imbalance going on, I have them put a notepad and a pen next to their nightstand. So that way, when those thoughts come up, you know, even just writing them down, you know, I have one in my nightstand, like in my drawer, I don't use it often because I've, um, you know, I've kind of done a really good job, I guess, of brain dumping. And that's not usually my issue with sleep. Mine's typically the Vata, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But if you are someone who is more of that pitch of drive and like, you just have trouble getting it all out. And you just think of more things to do, you know, have that by your nightstand and just, you know, maybe you do that for five minutes, just write it all down, get it all out. And then you might be able to fall asleep a little bit better. Now on the flip side, if you're waking up in the middle of the night, typically that's that Vata. And so that Vata dosha, usually that you feel a little anxious. It might be because you heard a noise as often, um, you know, what people describe, you might be a light sleeper. Um, and that's all of that, that Vata kind of that, that scattered and anxious energy and that higher energy. So that's something that, um, I know for myself, I use, I have been using breath work to come back down. And so I'll inhale for a count of four exhale for a count of eight. If that's too much for you, try inhaling for three exhaling for six. So that could be something that you try, um, you know, maybe just calming down again, that breath where that exhale is a little bit longer than the inhale and breathing in and out through the nose. 
Now, obviously, if you're congested, um, you're going to probably not <laughs> going to breathe out through the nose. You just breathe out through the mouth. Um, or if that, um, the breath, if that makes you feel anxious, sometimes holding the breath makes people feel a little bit anxious. So just kind of know that about yourself, know which breath practices soothe you and which ones agitate you, because there are some, um, for some people that they don't like a particular breath work because it does agitate the mind. So make sure you have that tool. Um, and you know what it is when you go to sleep. So that way you're not trying a new pranayama, for example, um, and you've never done it before and you do it at night in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. Not the best time to do that. So go to one that you rely on and one that you know soothes your body. All right. So let's kind of talk about now, what about routines? Because this is honestly something that really does play a big factor into what you're doing before you go to bed. So establishing a nice sleep routine. So a few ideas that you could incorporate, you know, taking a bath, that's something that, um, now this is my twofold because I have heard from a, from one of the Ayurvedic, um, doctors that I follow. She actually does not recommend taking a bath at night. She does in the morning because it can be too heavy, but if you're having sleep disturbances and sleep issues where you are on the lighter side, which would be those Pitta and Vata, um, imbalances that I described earlier, a bath might not be a bad idea because it is going to ground you. Um, myself, I found that baths work for me. Like it doesn't affect my sleep. I don't feel, um, extra heavy. If you have a cough imbalance, taking a bath at night might not be the best idea because it might be too grounding and too heavy. Um, which that dosha, if we talk about the gunas, which are the qualities associated with each of the doshas, when we talk about that heavy quality, if that's what you feel, then a bath is not going to be great for you. Having a cup of turmeric milk or chamomile tea. So whatever you prefer there, that could be something that you do in the evening. Maybe it's not every evening. Maybe it's like every other night. Um, but you know, you kind of rotate between them. Uh, another idea, practicing a meditation or a pranayam right before you go to bed. And so this is something that, um, Indu Aurora had taught, um, at one of her evening routine practices. She has meditation and a pranayam, um, right before bed. And so maybe you can kind of have something that, you know, you're not going to fall asleep to, although I have had clients use meditation to fall asleep. Um, and that, that can be okay if you're really struggling and you don't mind having that meditation just on loop, but the tricky part of that is I, that's going to be a tip later, but I'm not a big fan of having electronics in the bedroom. So that's kind of a caveat there. If you're listening to it on your phone. All right. So what are some other evening practices that you can do? So reducing screen time two hours before bed, you really want to start to kind of unwind off of your work for sure. Now I love to watch um, a TV episode before I go to bed. Cause that's usually my alone time. And that's something I actually do enjoy. And, um, so I'll maybe watch an episode. I have a cutoff though for my bedtime. So if you don't have kind of that set, Hey, this is the latest I can stay up. I would give yourself a bedtime, you know, start there. And I usually have that, um, with all of the clients I work with, I'm like, okay, what's your bedtime. So for me, eight 45, when that rolls around, I'm off of TV shows off of TV. And so I just kind of know, okay, you know, maybe I get my son to bed later and I don't get downstairs until eight 15. I'll know. I only have about 30 minutes to watch something. So I'm picking a show based on the time length I have sometimes, um, and again, for me, that's not agitating. It could be to you. Now my phone is already put away. So I put my phone away at seven 30 at night. So I also have, um, I guess kind of rules or rituals 
um, around that as well. So my phone stays in my office. It goes off at 7.30. Um, all of my apps kind of shut down. So that's a setting that I had in my iPhone and I have it set. So it's shut down from 7.30 at night until 7.30 in the morning. Now there are some apps that are um, I can access, but they're very minimal there. I think they're my phone. Like if I have, you know, if my mom calls me, if they, people call repetitively, I'll get that. Or, you know, my husband, cause he works in the evenings that is setting and the same with text messages. Um, and then a few apps that I might need in the morning, like my meditation app before seven 30, I'll use that. And really that's about it. And my Spotify. Cause I do listen to music when I do my yoga asana in the morning, but otherwise the rest of my apps, I do lock them all down because I don't want to be, um, you know, in the morning, it, it just, it's too tempting to open up Instagram instead of, you know, put on my Spotify playlist. So I don't want that temptation. So I just leave it shut. Now, another idea before evening is eliminating stimulants. So for myself now, again, these sound like I have a lot of um, practices in place that I'm not realizing that I have in place, but my, my kind of rule for this is I don't have caffeine usually after 11. Now I have, um, if I'm having a busy day, so like we went through yoga teacher training and it was, you know, three days and it was a long days. And so sometimes I would have an afternoon coffee and sometimes I needed that to kind of get myself through. And I usually didn't have trouble sleeping because I was so, um, you know, kind of wound up from, you know, being there and I was exhausted by the end. Cause it was a lot to kind of consume and we were doing practices and that's the same. I just went to a, a business mastermind retreat and that's the same. I had a cup of coffee at two and I even said, you know, hopefully I don't have trouble sleeping. I didn't because again, I was so stimulated, but not in like a overstimulated way, but I was exhausted by the end. I was learning so much. I was, you know, making sure like I got up and, you know, I had an Airbnb that was a mile walk to get there. So I had to walk home and, you know, I, all of these practices that do play a factor in my sleep, I had those in place. So I knew it wasn't going to drive me um, over the wall. But just in my general life, that's kind of my rule is like, nope, 11 o'clock, I shut it down. I usually don't have coffee, um, you know, typically after my first or second cup, like I'm done. And that's usually by 8.30. So that's also kind of the other thing is I don't usually even hit that 11 o'clock because I am I finish it early in my day. So what does that look like for you? If you are someone who drinks um, coffee or if you have tea, and that's going to be the same with alcohol. Because sometimes we think alcohol is going to put us to sleep, which it might, it might, you know, kind of put you to sleep, but then typically you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and you're not going to be in that REM sleep. And you're going to feel a little bit more exhausted because you didn't quite, um, you know, get to that spot that you wanted. And so that's why alcohol is considered, you know, it is a depressant, but it also can be stimulating, um, in terms of that sleep in the middle of the night. All right. And another one Ayurveda says is reading before bed can be stimulating. Now, personally, I don't have that issue. I have been reading before bed since I was a little girl and I have trained myself to kind of know, like my body knows, like, you know, after 845 comes, I brush my teeth. I do all that. So nine o'clock rolls around. I'm upstairs in my bed and then I'll read for, you know, sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes 20, just depends on how tired I am. And then I'll go to bed and I have no issues falling asleep right after. Also, I don't read scary books because those tend to be ones that, um, uh, I will be up all night if I'm reading a scary book or, um, too intense of a mystery book as well. Now, the final practice is eating an early and lighter dinner. So why is this important? 
Well, we want to make sure that we have, um, eight, at least two hours before bed, cause that's going to help our digestion. So we're going to be able to hopefully fall asleep without needing to digest this huge meal, um, that we might've ate right before we got, um, we got to bed. Sorry. I have to put my cat down. Me and my cat are sharing my office and he just tried to jump up on my desk and do the podcast with me, but he cannot be invited to this. So that early light of dinner, I've been preaching this for years because this is super important. Um, you know, making sure that we are, we are fully digesting that lighter meal, which again, soups in the winter are a wonderful idea. I was telling a client the other day, just to, she likes salads and I said, Hey, just cook them in the winter, you know, and didn't even dawn her. She's like, Oh yeah, I can just lightly throw in some oil into a pan and just gently cook the leaves. And that's just easier to digest. Plus that oil on them is going to help it go down the system and down the intestines a little bit smoother as well. All right. So some other um, tips for the daytime, make sure you try to reduce the stress throughout your day. And that's going to hopefully help you fall asleep. And again, pranayama meditation, we talked about adding those to your day and then exercise because that exercise, just like as kids, when we had our you know, I notice that if my son hasn't had enough, you know, outside time, or maybe they didn't have recess, like he'll have that excess energy at night. And even though his, he's tired, like his body doesn't know it because it's, it's like, I haven't ran off all this energy. And we, as adults have the same thing. Everyone's energy is a little bit different. Um, you know, the more that you kind of work out and the more that you go, typically you notice a little bit more than if you're a little bit more sedentary because you're not going to notice as much just because that's not your innate nature right now, but it can be. So that's one little caveat with exercise. Now, just a few more sleep extras, make your bedroom, your sanctuary. So again, this is where I don't have the electronics in there. Um, no computers. I bought a, um, an alarm clock that slowly lightens and brightens, so it's not even, um, this jarring sound because my mom used to wake me up by just flipping on our light switch. And so I'm really light sensitive now. And so this let my alarm clock slowly brightens and I typically never need the full 20 minutes. It brightens and then it will actually buzz me with the alarm if I don't wake up. And I'm usually up within the first like five minutes of the, the light slowly turning on. So that's one option. Um, why no phone in the bedroom? So your phone emanates a blue light and then it, it kind of, um, strains the production of the melatonin, which controls your sleep wake cycle. So that's kind of disrupting that REM sleep. And it makes you harder for you to fall back asleep. Also, a lot of the times people, and I've, I've had a, I've had to kind of work through this with a few clients who were having trouble sleeping and then they were grabbing their iPad and just like staying on a device because they're like, well, I'm up, I might as well do something. And that's probably the worst thing you can do is, you know, get on your phone or get on an iPad. Cause now you have that your eyes are now disrupted from blue light and, um, you're, you're really going to have trouble falling back asleep instead of just kind of laying there and just focusing on the breath. And again, I've had it where I've been awake three, four hours, you know, um, this past couple of years where I'm just laying there, I don't get a device. I don't get a phone. I just lay in bed awake. <laughs> I mean, I don't really do much, just work on my breathing. So, you know, and it, is that fun? No, but I am training my body. Like, no, I'm not going to get up and, you know, do something. And so usually that's only one night of that. Um, you know, maybe every, every very few, well, probably every few weeks now, you know, I've kind of gotten that all shut down, but that's one way that I've kind of dealt with that. Now, finally pillows. 
Um, I had a guest Chuck Turner on the podcast. He discussed why you don't want to use pillows. So I'll put a link in the show notes. If you want to listen to that episode, I personally, I have a very, very thin pillow, so it's not much. And then I put a silk pillowcase over it. I just got that for Christmas from my husband and I'm loving it because it's supposed to be really good for your hair and your skin. And I will say that it is, it is fabulous. If you don't have a silk pillowcase, highly recommend. Um, and then just again, noticing what works best for you because everyone's different in terms of the pillow, but I do like a body pillow. If you're having troubles with hip pain, knee pain, um, and having it go from your knees all the way to your ankles, because if your ankles aren't supported, then you're putting a little bit more torque on your hip. And so you want to make sure you're supported from that knee all the way down to the ankle. And then my body pillow is long. So I also get support on my arm, which then helps. So I'm not rounding just because all of all day long we're rounded forward. And so it just helps kind of keep my shoulders back just a little bit. So that's why I really love body pillows. All right. So those were my tips for Ayurvedic, um, sleep tips. Let me know how these landed. And if you have any other ideas or ways that you kind of implement sleep strategies into your life, um, you know, feel free to send me a DM. I'm probably going to be changing my Instagram handle. Um, that was kind of my insights on my business mastermind retreat. One of the, one of the hosts had asked how attached I was to that name. And, you know, that was going to be the name of my podcast now, probably a couple of years ago, but I decided, nope, I'm going to stick with my peaceful power and, um, not seasonal living mamas. Like I was going to do, cause I work with, I don't work with just moms. You know, I have a lot of clients who aren't moms. Um, and I've had more males this past few years, actually, who were introduced or who are interested in Ayurveda. So, so that's what I have for you all. Um, if you are interested in wanting to work with me this next year, I kind of, um, remapped out my programs and I am going to be just offering group. Um, it's a group it's called Ayurvedic lifestyle Academy. And that's how I'm going to do Ayurveda this year, because I'm finding with my one-on-ones, uh, I have better results when people are in their group. I did a beta Ayurveda program years ago and I had, everyone had great success and great results. We had a one-on-one call and we had group calls. And so it was a mixture. And I find that that accountability with the group really helps. And then having, um, you know, the one-on-one so we can get specific, but I'm getting a lot of people who really just want to know Ayurveda in general and not necessarily, um, like, let's say not to fix heartburn or not for fertility purposes. They have more of a broad, I want to know about Ayurveda. So that's what this, um, this Ayurvedic lifestyle Academy will, will hit on is kind of the broader let's, let's see how you can implement the doshas and how you can do some of the stuff that I talk about on the podcast into your life. So that's one option. Another one I am going to do, it's called peaceful period. And that's going to be a 12 week program that we are going to heal your period. And so Ayurveda has some amazing tips and tools. Um, I have also learned from my Western friends as well. So this is something that, I mean, this, this is your fifth, you know, vital sign. So important to know about our periods and what's happening in our period is going to also dictate how we go through menopause. So, um, I was just talking with a colleague who works with a lot of people in menopause and she's like, Oh, this is great. Cause people are coming to her in menopause, wondering how they can fix it. And she was like, Oh, really? We should have started this, you know, when you're still on your period, because then we can fix and tweak these. So it's not as painful or you're not having as intense hot flashes. Um, when you get into your menopause years. So there's that program. 
And then I'm going to be offering um, my personal training. And so I'm just going to be doing my one-on-one personal training and throwing Ayurveda into those. So that's the only way I'm going to do one-on-one this year. Um, Just because I find that's, those are my clients who are actually doing the best with Ayurveda because I see them every single week, multiple times a week. And so I can kind of sprinkle it in as needed. They are getting their movement and they're really seeing those results. So those are the three ways that I have um, mapped out for this year. So if you're interested, check that out at my website, andrewclassen.com. Thank you all so much for listening and go out there and spread your peaceful power.